She's a feisty one. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Raw Safari. Hello! Welcome back to the podcast that makes your ride to the office seem like a safari, or at least one of those little zoo trains, the Raw Safari Podcast. So, last week, we ended by talking about conserving red pandas in the wild with the Red Panda Network. I thought it would be fun to show how well wild conservation ties into zoo animals, so today we are going to talk about some red pandas that live at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. Mostly in the zoo part, as they are not an aquatic species. And speaking of red panda conservation, I am currently hosting an online fundraiser for the Red Panda Network. This contest runs from now until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, November 25th. Head to at Rossafari on Instagram and click on the link in my bio to donate to the fundraiser. For every $5 you donate, you'll get one entry into a raffle taking place on Thanksgiving for some fun Red Panda-related prizes. Coffee from Red Panda Coffee Company, a Red Panda t-shirt from Cute Paws Store, a Red Panda sticker pack from Le Artisan Studio, and a plush Red Panda coupled with a Red Panda mask from me are the four prizes available. There are also some ways to earn bonus entries, so check out the Instagram and Facebook pages for more info. I set an initial goal of $200, though I was hoping we would go a little higher. As of the time of this recording on Sunday night, we are at $380 raised, and I could not be more thankful. Let's see how far we can go for Red Pandas. Today, I am bringing you my interview with Christy Nuss, a keeper in the AsiaQuest section of the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium, who I am fortunate to have befriended recently. Christy takes care of a large variety of animals, including markhors, tigers, and sloth bears, but the main focus of today's episode are the seven incredible red pandas that live at the Columbus Zoo. Yes, that's right, seven. I may be slightly jealous of Christy. You'll hear all about the panda personalities and what life is like for a panda that lives off-exhibit. You also may remember that this summer, one of the red pandas at the Columbus Zoo went missing for a few days. You'll get that story in detail from a person who lived it. It's an incredible look at what happens when something unexpected goes on at a zoo. So without further ado, I give you my interview with Christy Nuss of the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. So, tell me who you are, where you work, and what you do there. My name is Christy Nuss, and I, <laughs> I work at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. I work in the AsiaQuest region, so I take care of all the animals in AsiaQuest, like the tigers, the bears, the red pandas, the monkeys, the aviary. I'm sorry, did you say red pandas? I didn't know you worked with red pandas. <laughs> I did say red pandas. <laughs> 
So for those listening, uh, Christy has given me an incredible day. We we got to hang out with some of the red pandas and a tiger and a bear, and it was amazing. And uh, so we're going to be talking about some of those animals and, and some other stuff today. But let's dive uh, let's dive into you a little bit first. What got you into zookeeping? Uh, that's a good question. When I when I was in, I think I was in the sixth grade. And we went to the zoo as a class trip. And I distinctly remember, I don't remember anything else about that trip, but I remember standing outside and a woman came out and she was holding a tiger cub, which I don't even understand the situation with which that happened (laughs) because I've never seen that happen anywhere since, but it doesn't matter. I just remember thinking and looking at this woman going, that's what I want to do. I want to be that lady. I want to hold tiger cubs and I want to play with animals. (laughs) exotic ones like i definitely wanted i wanted the tigers and lions and bears experience that's awesome and you get that so that's that's pretty darn cool yeah congrats um and so what did you do uh you know coming up uh what's your education in and and how did you get to where you are i originally just i was focusing on being a vet and i really wanted to just take care of animals in that regard for a long time mostly i think because my parents thought you know veterinarians make better money than just regular animal caretakers. What else are you going to do with your life? So I I kind of went that way for that reason. I ended up going to Ohio State University because I wanted to be closer to the vet school, thinking it would help me make connections or whatever. Um, I think that's, what again, what my parents told me. And I got a part-time job at the zoo, which I was so excited about. I think I started in the children's zoo for a very brief time. And then I got a, a seasonal job and an internship in North America. And I was there not less than a year when I realized that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I realized just, you might think it's stupid. You're just cleaning up poop and cleaning and, but like you were building a relationship with them. And back then, and this was like 20 years ago, back then the vet staff and the animals didn't really have a very trusting relationship so when, when vets would come around, animals would get scared. And I didn't like that. I didn't really like that, um, that response. I wanted to walk up to the cougar and she starts rubbing and purring and is just so excited to see me. And like that, like I wanted that every day. And I actually really, surprisingly, not, not much of a cleaner in my personal life back then. <laughs> but now, I mean, and I started, I loved the cleaning. Like I loved the hosing of the things. Like I felt this tremendous satisfaction of, of cleaning a yard and putting enrichment out and toys and things for them to play with and preparing their food. And it was such a simple job, but I, I loved it. And I, I never wanted to stop doing that. That's amazing. Very, very cool. And so did you uh, finish out school at uh, OSU? Yes, I graduated okay. from there. Cool. What was your degree in? Animal science. Okay, very cool. And then have you just been at Columbus this whole time? I literally haven't moved since. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've that lived is in the Columbus. rarest story ever. Isn't it? I've lived in Columbus longer than I lived in Cleveland where I was born. Okay. I don't know if that's sad or good. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're doing what you wanted to do at one of the best zoos in the country. So I'm going to go with it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty lucky. That's, that's pretty amazing. I talk to keepers all the time who, man, it's like they literally forget to mention certain zoos and then have to go back because they've been to so many. And you're just, yeah. not only are you just at one, but you're at like the one. Columbus is one of the most amazing places. It's yeah. so cool. I love that. Um. 
All right, so let's get into some animals, and you know what we're going to start with. I want to talk about your experience with the red pandas at the zoo. Um, but what I want to start with is is a little different than normal, which is that y'all have some behind-the-scenes pandas. And uh, I think that's really cool, and I would love for you to tell me about them. All of them? Just all of them. All the places? <laughs> the places, oh. the animals? Yes, everything? all the things. Okay. All the things. All the things. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um well, we have we have one very old man and um he he lives in our little area that we call Panda Palace that was built years and years ago long before my time and it was built strictly for breeding. So it's kind of off-site, it's quiet. Um it has like little indoor rooms with dens inside. It's a perfect place for a mama panda to have her babies. Um we had we did have a mom have a baby up there and it worked out well. Considering she would leave her baby in the weeds in the hot sun, so we were able to lock them in the rooms at nighttime. Anyway, good good. Good good. <laughs> so um, his name is Yang, and uh, he has been, and I cannot remember the names of all the zoos that he has been, but he came to us from Binghampton most recently. I think it was in 2015. But he actually lived with us 10 years ago when he was very, very young. And I remember when I first got my job in AsiaQuest, he was oh, maybe the second or third panda that I ever took care of. And he was the most beautiful red panda I had ever seen. I Granted, I'd only seen three, but it didn't matter. I just thought he was so beautiful. Um, and I had to crate train him because he was leaving. So uh, I ended up crate training him. And I think he went to the Providence, Rhode Island Zoo after that. And they were super excited to receive him. And then I never heard about him again after that. And then 10 years later... He ended up at Binghampton, but he went to another zoo before that. So he moved around quite a bit and he apparently wasn't successful with the breeding skills. He just didn't have the skills to breed hey, properly. You don't have game, you know? <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> and this this describes Zhang. He's the sweetest boy, but he just doesn't he doesn't know how to get it done. So he is the sweetest boy. Very he really sweet. is. And for those listening who have been following along since the beginning, uh, you've heard my story of falling in love with red pandas because I was at the Philly Zoo and there was an old girl named Mei Lin. And Mei Lin and Zhang are brother and sister. And uh, Christy was nice enough to let me meet Zhang. And it was – since I never got to meet Mei Lin, it was – it, it was like meeting her twin. I mean, it was. They it, look exactly it, it, they, the same. They really do. It was. It was beyond amazing, and my heart. Oh, my heart. Yes. Anyway, but so thank you for that. It really meant a lot to me to do that, and that was before you and I became really friends, or kind of when we became friends. So thank you so yeah. much for understanding that. That that was amazing. Um, and then you guys have another uh, pair who are also off exhibit, right? Yes. And then we have another off exhibit area behind a, behind our elephant building. It's a hodgepodge yard that has been used for like a gazillion different types of animals. Red pandas, snow leopards, cougars, bears, pheasants, a lizard, all kinds of things. <laughs> and um, our pair that lives back there is Rinzen and Madeline. And um, their Rinzen is eight years old. Madeline is five or was just turned five. So... Um, they're kind of just hanging out back there. They were a breeding pair for two years. Uh, they bred for two years in a row, but Madeline's not not really suited to be a mom. 
So it uh, doesn't really take very good care of her cubs. However, that being said, she's ridiculously cute. And um, I like to call her Bad Panda because she wants <laughs> to do bad things. She wants to go into places she shouldn't go. She wants to do things she shouldn't do. She's not afraid of anything. And um, she does kind of enhance Rinzen's confidence a little. He's kind of a shy guy. So when he's with her, he's a little more confident. So they're just sort of hanging out back there until it's their turn to be on exhibit again. Very cool. Very cool. And that brings us to the exhibit where there are four pandas. So yeah. many pandas. So many pandas. Um, so tell me about the uh, the four on exhibit. So the four we have on exhibit are Cora um, from Cincinnati and her her sort of boyfriend, General So, who we call Genso, um, who's the cutest boy ever. And then there are two kids, Santi and Bandit. And for those looking uh, online, how can you tell the difference between Santi and Bandit? Santi is very dark in color and she has a face just like Cora's. So she's got really... Um, the dark patches under her eyes are very dark, but she's kind of thin like Genso. And then Bandit is very light in color. He's round, roundish like Cora. <laughs> he has kind of a round body and a big fluffy tail. And he has sort of the bicolor forehead like Genso does. Absolutely. And um, Cora recently got to be pretty famous because Cora was not in her exhibit one morning. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that and, and what happened. So um, in July, I want to say it was like July 11th, not 100% sure. I should remember the date, but it was in the mid-July. Um, I got a text message from my boss. It was my late shift. It was a Wednesday. And it was about 9.15 and she texts me and she says, we can't find Cora. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not going to panic. Um, that yard gets pretty foliagey in the summertime. There has been many times that I have searched for a panda and not been able to find one, especially if they're in the tree. So I'm like, all right, did you check the moats? Yes. Did you look in the tree really good? <laughs> Duh. She was like, yes. I've even had people look from outside the exhibit, from both sides of the exhibit. I've called in reinforcements. We've been looking, you know, I'm like, did you check all the boxes? Again, an obvious question, but sometimes you forget. Um, did you check up, up in the planter? And like, I'm asking, I'm like, I'm still not panicking. Right, right. I'm like, it's not, it's not the end of the world. She's probably out there somewhere. I'm like, I'm almost guarantee you she's in that tree curled up, uh, surrounded by leaves. And she just looks like a dark blotch. So, um, I don't know, 30 minutes go by and I'm, I'm getting ready for work. I'm about ready to just leave because I, to leave early because I hadn't heard anything. I texted for an update and she says, we still haven't found her. I've called in. We're shutting down this side of the zoo. And I've called in reinforcements and everyone is coming to help look for her. And I was like, oh, crap. And she says, get here as soon as you can. So I'm, I'm like already in the car. And I'm like speeding to work. And I get there and um, my coworker is, I get to the exhibit. Everybody, People are standing around everywhere. Um, I get to the exhibit. My coworker is up in the planter just like buried and all the foliage in there. Like she had been walking through there. You could clearly see. And I was like, Oh girl, the chiggers, <laughs> the chiggers are going to be so bad. It's all I could think about when I saw her. Um, they were having a meeting, you know, people were in the bear yard, people were searching everywhere. And I still didn't quite at that moment think that it was actually real. Like I needed to get into that yard and look for myself just real quick. Like I just needed yeah, no, I can understand that. to yeah. search. Mm -hmm. 
because I just couldn't understand how there's just no way. She's got to be in there and we're just not seeing her. And I know that's happened. You know, people have thought animals have been missing and they've been in the exhibit the whole time. <laughs> people have thought their animals in their homes were missing and they were just locked in a room. You know, so I'm like this, I'm like this not, not, not a need to panic at this moment. So um, I did go into the exhibit and everything was wet. The thing too that I remember thinking was it did rain last night. There was a storm. And when there is a storm, branches and leaves and all that stuff hang. And it sometimes does. And I was like, well, maybe we, maybe we haven't trimmed in a while. You know, like these, all the thoughts, she's probably still in there and it was stormy. We haven't trimmed in a while. It's all a possibility. Um, I looked all through the exhibit and I looked in all the boxes and I checked on the babies and I, we looked in the tree again, um, called her name. And then as a last resort, we had a meeting and a bunch of us from other places in the zoo and the plan was that I was going to get the babies out of the box and make them cry. And if she was anywhere in the vicinity, even in the yard, she would definitely come because those babies were big babies. Like they would cry. You would hold them for two seconds and they would start crying for their mom and she would immediately come. So, uh, and I did that. I held them for several minutes and they cried and cried and cried and no Cora. And that was when I realized that she was not in there. That's crazy. Oh, how did that feel? It was terrifying. It was terrifying. Um, we went back and looked at the camera to see when was the last time we saw her in the box. When was the last time the babies were fed? Um, I don't remember if we talked about who the late person was, but it wouldn't have mattered. It's not like we walked by that exhibit in the evening, but we're trying to figure out you know, when did we see her last? You know, We documented that the last time she was in the box was like 5 p.m., the following evening. And I was like, that's a long time ago. Um, and it was, it was just terrifying. Uh, I took a, we took a recording of the babies crying and it was horrible holding the babies and just letting them cry and cry and cry and cry and cry was just terrible. And like, and I still have that sound on my phone. I should really delete that. Cause it's, it's like heart wrenching to hear that sound. Um, we sent it to everybody so that as they were walking around, they could play it thinking maybe it would not bring her to you, but she would stir in the bushes or in the right, trees. Right. I mean, uh, that time of year, Columbus, the area around the Columbus Zoo is just so f bushy and filled with trees. I mean, you just have no idea until you're trying to look for a panda. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, we had people, we had a girl from uh, North America call on the radio and say she thinks she found the panda and it was Genso in the tree. And we we're like, nope, that's not, nope. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's Genso. But thank you for your enthusiasm. And then the other thing that was funny was I, I, you would go out to the front and I would point to him and I would say, do you see the panda up there? And people would be like, no, I'm pointing right at him. Right, do you see right, him? And they're right. like, no, I don't, I don't see him. He, he's, he's right there. He's kind of that dark splotch right in, in the tree. And they're like, Oh, Ooh, I kind of see it. And I'd be like, that's what you're looking for. When you walk around, oh, man. you're looking for a sort of kind of dark splotch, maybe sort of in a tree. Yeah. And then it was at that point when I was like, this is going to take a miracle. We're going to need a miracle to find her unless she, unless she just pops out somewhere, you know, or we see her in the road. Cause like the trees, you know, I've never hated the trees more in my life than I did <laughs> those two days that we searched for her. And so tell me um, about finding her then. What happened? 
Um, the next day, that Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, we all kind of went out and searched. You know, we took a couple hours, and then Wednesday evening, we we got together and we talked about our plan, what we would do when when we would search, when we would put out the press release, so that like someone did find her. They weren't like, did you know you lost the red panda? Like, (laughs) we wanted to put it out there that, like, we're aware that she's missing here, you know, if you see her. Which, the outpouring of, we got over 10,000 messages from, like, all over the place. From people just offering, like, you know, their, their prayers and their well wishes and that they were coming to search. And like, I had tons of people texting me and telling me that they were going to come and look for her, even if they just walked around and looked for her, um, just around the surrounding area, people were just driving around searching for her. Mm-hmm. Um, other people in the zoo were just amazing. Our, um, the animal encounters department, like, Literally, like, they didn't have a lot going on because they didn't have tours during this time. They spent those two whole days just searching for her. You know, and we we still had stuff to do. Like, we had to go take care of animals. You know, we had to, like, actually do work, which was really hard. Um, but, like, I would see them. I would see the animal encounters people in their van driving on the outside of Riverside Drive. They would get out. I would see them just randomly walking. Um Anytime I would see them when I was walking by, they would be like, well, we're going to go ahead and take this part of the zoo or we're going to go and take like the west side of Powell Road or whatever. And I would be like, okay, great. Thank you. Like in feeling helpless because right, I, yeah, I have yeah. to work, but like that they were just sacrificing all of their time searching for her. It was just like every time I saw them, like I just wanted to cry. I was so thankful that somebody was doing something. Um, and it wasn't like we weren't doing anything, but you just, we didn't have time to spend the whole day. Right, of course. Even if you wanted to. I, I, my coworkers came in on their days off and were searching for her. And I mean, you had to raise the cubs at this point, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, you were. And, and that's just one animal or one, you know, red pandas. You have all kinds of other animals and they can't, they can't go you yeah. know, without. The anxiety, right. the anxiety yeah. over those babies and um, how they were going to be doing we knew that they could go like over 24 hours without nursing and still be okay. I was just, we, we did eventually, we gave them some fluids that Wednesday evening. And then the next day they got two bottles and miraculously, sometimes it takes a long time to get babies on a bottle, especially if they've already nursed. Both of them were on a bottle, like within five minutes, five to 10 minutes which I felt was just like amazing. That's awesome. Never happens. It's always a little bit complicated. I'm not an expert, but I do know it's complicated. Right, right. <laughs> so, right. I mean, I, did, I got to spend a lot of time with those babies during that time. So that was that was pretty nice that I got to snuggle them. And every time I held them, I'm like, Cora, I'm I'm stealing your kids. Where are you, <laughs> Cora? Are you coming back? I have your babies because she was very attentive. If you were holding them, like. They were crying. She was right there. And we would immediately have to throw them back in the box so that she wouldn't see us. So holding them and letting them cry a little, I was always like, where are you? I have your kids. (laughs) (laughs) I have your kids, Cora. Um, Anyway, so the next next day, Thursday, um, we had another meeting in the morning. We... Everybody that was available walked around again to search again in the morning. And I remember that morning I woke up to, um, 
I pretty much just listen to Christian music and I have a, a Bose um, clock radio and I was already awake. It was like three o'clock in the morning and my clock radio goes off at three thirty, and I, it comes on slowly. And I was like, I'm going to listen to hear what it is that comes on. And the lyrics that, that came on super loud was you're the God of miracles. And I had already said, I knew that we were going to take a miracle. And I felt like that was God just telling me like, just expect a miracle. Like something's going to happen. Um, wait and expectation for me to do something. So I was trying not to feel hopeless and sad. And I was trying not to feel scared um, or grief. I was trying not to feel those things. Those feelings are still there. But like I, a part of me was like, something is going to happen. I don't know when. <laughs> I, I hope it's soon. But something will happen. Um, I had texted all of my friends, um, zoo and non-zoo friends, and everybody was praying for her. And I know that there were millions of people praying for her. Because I mean, once it hit social media... That night that I that they they let the press release go, I was at the closing shift, so I had to stay till seven thirty. And my phone was just blowing up. Right, right. People were just texting me over and over again, like you know, Cora's missing. Cora's missing. What's going on? Should we come and look? I mean, it was just like constant. Um, I remember Paul Reinhardt specifically texting me and being like, "I hear Cora's on the run," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I lost your panda." <laughs> Hey, y'all, time for a quick interrupting John. Don't worry, we'll get right back to the story. But I just wanted to let you know that Paul Reinhardt is the head red panda keeper at the Cincinnati Zoo. You'll actually be hearing an interview with him very shortly. Since Cora was from Cincinnati originally, obviously Paul would be very concerned. Okay, back to the interview. And I was thinking I was going to text you just later. <laughs> later on. Um, so... We were planning to do a um, dusk search that night. So I was going to, I came home. We, oh, I know we were going to feed the babies again at seven. So I was going to go home, take a, like lay down for just a few minutes, not really sleep, but just lay down. My coworker, my coworker, Carrie was the late person and I was charging my phone upstairs and I'm hearing it ring. It's ringing. And I'm like, oh, my phone's ringing. I'm like making my lunch for the next day. I'm going to go put some pants on and, and get ready to go back to the zoo. And I check, I check the message on the phone. And when you get your little transcript, I didn't listen to it. I just saw the transcript. And all I saw was, Cora, I have Cora in sight. That's all I saw. And I immediately called her back. And she was like, we found Cora. I have her in sight. She's over by the elephants. She was like, get here now. And I said, okay. And I hung up the phone. I put some pants on and I immediately left the door. <laughs> I, I walked out the door and I jumped in my car and I've never driven so fast. I, like, I just needed to see her. Of course. Yeah. I needed to see her with my own eyeballs right. like so badly. Um, everybody was there. All my coworkers, they were there like over like 50 people from all around the zoo were there surrounding um, that tree in the, in the, what we call the mall way in between Pachyderms and Asia quest. Um, and I, I, I forgot to put my mask on. <laughs> so I can I went running out my car. I walk into this crowd of 50 people, all of them with their masks on. And all I was like, I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> I completely, Carrie forgot hers too, because she was having her dinner. So she didn't have hers on either. And everybody was just like, it's fine. It's I mean, I'm glad. I hope nobody got sick during that time, but um, they had the cubs in a crate underneath the tree. 
Um, so I didn't hear the whole story then, but I could see Cora. She was starting to come down, and then um, she ended up she ended up going back up. I just think there's just too many people, you okay. know, too many people, right, right, yeah. strangers, mm-hmm. um, people with nets. I guess they tried to net her. Um, apparently, Hardy from Animal Encounters needs some netting experience. <laughs> um, it's a new thing. It's a skill. Um, but apparently he let her out of the net. He had her in the net and then he just, oh, no. and then he just put her down and let her out of the net. And then she went, that was at that point that she went running up the tree. So, um, I cannot picture Cora, um, being willing to be netted, uh, very easily. No. She's not, no, 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 no. She is the queen. She's a feisty one. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. So they ended up, um, we called her a few times. We held her babies. Um, the funny thing is they played the recording of the baby's crying first mm-hmm. and she had made no reaction. Like, I think she's like, you fools. <laughs> you think I'm going to fall for that? That's not them. But when you held them for real, she reacted. Oh, wow. She definitely reacted, but she didn't come all the way down. So the vets ended up having to dart her up there. Um, a bunch of people went up under the roof of the pachyderm building with sheets and they caught her in the sheet and then they put her in a crate and we got her to the hospital. We checked her all out. And she was good. She's good. She's great. And she seems, you know, very normal and, and, and usual again, right? Like, yeah. Right from the start. That's amazing. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I think I've already told you this, uh, but yeah, I had um, the day that you found her, uh, I was with my son that day. And my plan was, if she had not been found that day, I had an overnight bag, and I was coming right from the Harrisburg area all the way to Columbus, and I don't know what the heck <laughs> I thought I was going to do, but I was going to do it, and I, I still don't know what the answer is. I would have seen this <laughs> random dude wandering around the zoo all day, staring up into the trees, yep. probably along with everybody else. <laughs> yeah, just looking at trees and just being like, and with some red panda, you know, hoodie on or something. Yeah. And just, just, yeah, you're just walking along, going, Cora. Cora. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who you are, but that's not going to work, man. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that that morning I walked around that area and looked in those trees near where she, where right, she was right. found. Like I looked up there. I didn't, I, I didn't end up calling her name though. And I kind of regret that. I feel like I should have been calling her the whole time. Sure. But I also feel like maybe a lot of, you know, if a lot of people are calling your name at some point, I don't know. I know they know our voices and she probably knows my voice, but it, I feel like at, at some point during that day, I was like, is it even going to matter if I'm, I'm, if I'm hollering her name or not? Um, but she was on the ground when they found her. It's the most amazing thing. Wow. She was on the ground on the other side of the fence right near um, the baby elephant statue right where Rosie's exhibit was. So Right, right. Um, and a couple visitors were walking by. Visitors that didn't even know she was missing. Like they were, you know, one was visiting from out of town. They didn't know the story. Holy crap, there's a red panda on the ground over there. <laughs> That's my dream in life, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck catching one, though, if you oh, see sure, one. Oh, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. You just need some apples and some grapes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I think, I, think I know. I think I know what you need. <laughs> Um, wow, that's that's an amazing story. And so is the assumption then that just the the trees got wet and the branches hung down and she got out because the, the kids were driving her nuts? <laughs> well, no, that's, that's a popular theory. Everybody says that. 
I do think Cora gave herself plenty of alone time when she was with her kids. She spent a lot of her time in another box. So I always, I always refute that claim. I'm like, she, she could leave them and they would stay put. So she was, she didn't, she didn't need to leave to get space. She gave herself space every day. Um, But I was told that morning, Wednesday morning, um, when we discovered she was missing, that there was a really bad storm. I knew that it was raining, but it didn't It didn't storm at my house. But in Powell, it did. And apparently, everybody heard it that lived in Powell. There was a huge thundercrack. And yeah, it scared everybody. Like, it was so loud, it was terrifying to people. Like, it woke them straight up out of a sound sleep. And my th- my guess is, if you ever see red pandas get startled by stuff, they shoot up the tree really fast. Right, right. And I feel like she probably shot up. There was one branch that was kind of leaning off to the side toward that planter area. And I'm wondering if she shot up the branch and not realizing that it either was too wet or it was too, it was too skinny to hold her weight. And mm. I'm thinking that it started to bend and she probably jumped. Right. Makes sense. Just jump to the other side because instead of falling. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um, and probably just kind of got over there and ran and then got lost. Mm -hmm. So she could have tried to come back in. That, that is a theory. Um, we did have a panda key, our panda Kia, um, who's at Toledo now. She did escape in the middle of the day once tried to come back in to the exhibit, but because of the hot wire coming back in is very difficult. Sure. Sure. So, it's possible she tried and couldn't. Interesting. But we don't know. We'll never know. Right. Of course. Yeah. You can't ask her, unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nope. <laughs> Although She's I'm not sure going to tell us. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure you've asked. I'm just guessing she yeah, can't tell. Yeah. tell us anyway. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about these four uh, personalities. Um. Well, Cora is Cora's kind of a beast. She really just wants to be on her own, but with all the food. Yes, all so, the food. All the food. <laughs> she wants all the food for herself. Um, she's this pretty sweet panda, but since being in this family that she has, I think she um, is kind of craving alone time now. Right, right. So, I mean, I don't think she's willing to leave the exhibit, but she would definitely like to to be to be on her own a little bit, a little bit more now than she ever has before. Jenso um, is like one of the sweetest pandas ever. He has such a sweet personality. He isn't shy, especially when he's with another panda. He loves to um he basically has, I feel like I've always called him the panda with ADD because he's very busy. He's constantly doing things. He's always distracted by something. He's always on the move. He's always been, um, he's never been fat in his life. I don't think he could ever be fat. I right. really think he has the highest metabolism of any panda I've ever known. He, when he was solitary, when he had him on his, when we had him on his own, he used to eat over 300 grams of biscuits all by himself and never really get fat. Wow. Just constantly on the move, always doing something and moving around. Um, even when we have tours in there or people in there, he'll hang out with you for a little bit. And then he's like, I got to go mark every leaf over there on the left <laughs> side of the exhibit. I'll be right back. And then he comes back. Um, and then you have Bandit and Santi. Um, they're sweet little babies. Bandit thinks everything is a climbing apparatus, including a person. So he's not shy. He... Um, has recently realized, at least within the last month and a half, that if you crouch down and you climb, he climbs onto someone's lap, he's going to get treats, obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you feed him treats? He's sitting yeah. in your lap. Um, Santi is a little bit more shy. She's not qu- quite as climbing, but she, I think she's learned from him to do the same thing. Um, and she's really kind of 
blossomed a little too. She's not as shy either. She likes to go around and chew everybody's shoes. She likes to chew people's pants. Um, they're both they're both a lot a lot of fun. They're not shy of people at all. <laughs> they they now know that people have food and yes, food yes. is good. Um, once you start feeding red pandas solid food, they they realize people are amazing. They go from being terrified of you to thinking you're awesome. <laughs> I couldn't wait to start feeding them hard food. Like I, I couldn't bet. wait. Yeah. Uh, I started feeding them smushed up brown smashed biscuits. When we were weighing them, putting them in the in the tub, they just wouldn't sit still, constantly bouncing out of the tub. So I would just shove those mushed <laughs> biscuits in their face, and it would keep them still. So, and then gradually they start to be like, "Oh, you have, hi," and then they like want to be your friend, and then then the love affair begins. That's awesome. Yeah, very very cool. Um, yeah, and you know you're talking about um, Cora and how how forceful she can be. And I have to tell you, I don't know if you caught this, but when when we were feeding all of them today, um, she almost took me down <laughs> at one point because she grabbed my arm so forcefully and pulled it down to try and get Strong. the biscuit away from Jenso. And A, I just did not expect a panda to have that much strength. And B, I would never jerk away from her because that could hurt her or something, you know, whatever. Right. And the angle she pulled my arm at, I literally almost went down. <laughs> and I was like, that would be the funniest story ever, getting taken down by a red panda. But Cora, Cora's tough. Yeah, seriously. She won. She won. Um, and then the other interesting thing I think about their personalities is that uh, Jen So is in with them still. And that's not super common in North Americans – or excuse me, in, in – uh, American zoos. Mm. Um, I know they do it up in Canada and in Europe. Uh, I can't think of another example that I know of. Now, I'm not a super expert, but normally when the cubs come, come along, the dad's separated, uh, in my experience. So tell me, how is Jen So as a father? Um, I, I didn't know that it was unusual. I thought it was a normal thing. And um, I feel like I heard that from Sarah Glass. I feel like she said that. And, and one of the few things I took from that that husbandry course years and years ago was that dads can be with the family, right? And that dads might play with the cubs. And that's one memory that I have that I have taken with me and carried with me ever since then. And when we had that litter in 2014, I so badly wanted Rinzen to play with those babies and be with them. <laughs> um, there was minor regression. They ended up being pulled out. He ended up being pulled out, which wasn't really necessary, but it was just, it was just a precaution. Um, sure. I think Rinzen would have been fine. Um, but with with Jenso, we were all real excited to keep him in there. And I had full confidence that he was going to be good with them because I've seen him with other pandas. He's super playful. Um, he was one of the only pandas that would try to play with me, um, which is painful when a panda tries to play with you. Like when a panda stands up and pounces on you, it hurts really bad because right. you're not built for that. Right, right. <laughs> like your our sensitive skin is not built to be pounced on. Um, cause they do it kind of hard sure. when they're doing it. They do it hard. It doesn't look like it when you're watching them play together, but they, they pounce on you hard. And he used to do that to me. Um, he would try to play sometimes. So I knew that it would be, it could be really amazing. Um, so he wasn't sure about them at first, obviously. Um, Cora kind of bossed him around a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm sure she told them that like, these are my babies. You stay away from them. So he did, he did that. He did a pretty good job of that. And as when she moved them to the big box, I started to get concerned because I was like, but that's Jenso's box. Where right, is he right. going to sleep? 
your babies are in there. So, um, he, he, you know, slept in another box for a little while. And then I would check the cameras, you know, like 50 times a day. I'm checking to see what's going on. Where are the cubs now? Is she moving them? Are they still in there? And I would see him. He would sneak in there and, <laughs> and sleep next to them when they Aww. were sleeping. I'd be like, huh, look at that. He's like determined to sleep in that box. And I think he started doing it when he realized that Cora wasn't going to yell at him. There's a couple times that I would see Cora go in and she would just look at him. And he'd be like, all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. She wouldn't even do anything. She just right. gives him this look. And he's like, Ugh, and he would go out the hole. Um, but I would see him sleeping in there more and more. And then I think when they would wake up, he would leave. He's like, all right, there's too much. I don't really understand what's happening. I don't think I like you. <laughs> and then um, I did see, I did see like a small amount of aggression when Bandit tried to kind of play with him a little bit. I think Jensa was sort of taken off guard. Um, he did a little, a little like lunge bite at his face, you know, bandit made a little squeaky noise and then Jensa kind of ran off kind of like he was just putting him in his place. Um, bandit was fine. Uh, nobody was injured or anything like that. I wasn't concerned. We were all in there. I think we were doing, what were we doing? We were doing vaccines or something. And, um, Maybe we were just all in there playing with them. I'm not really sure. sure. <laughs> I do remember that our vet was in there and she and she was like, everything fine? Everything was fine. And then I think, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, he was sleeping in the box with them and I saw him do the little nibble groom on one of them. And I was like, oh, do you love them? Um, and then like the more time that I spent spent out there with them, the more I saw them together and then... I saw him playing with them one day, like laying on his back and they were just jumping all over him and he didn't care. He was just letting them, just letting them jump on him. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I like, I had my coworker with me and we got our phones out and I got a recording of her recording the playing of the Jensa with the Cubs. So I like, I have it three times. Uh, it was so great. Like I had been waiting and waiting and waiting to see dads play with the Cubs because I was convinced that, that that's just normal. Right, I just right. thought this was normal. Cubs play with Cubs and dads. Mm -hmm. They play together. Didn't, I didn't know it was a rare thing. So, well, so I, and to, to clarify, like I said, I, I know of uh, – I don't know of any examples in the U.S. where the, the dad is in there. But I've only ever talked to, you know, half a dozen – or so keepers that that have you know yeah so it, it's very possible that i've just stumbled upon six people who aren't comfortable doing that or or who had problems like rinzen where it was pulled just just in case you know sure um yeah so i'll do more research on that and, and i'll let you know what i find but interrupting john again so i said i would do more research on that and i have started to but it's going to be a longer process than i realized stay tuned for a future episode though where i speak to an absolute red panda expert about this very topic Okay, back to the interview. But, um, but yeah, that's just in my experience. I know that's pretty common. So yeah, you know, from what I've from what I've seen and what I've talked to, that's oh, cool. amazing though. Jenso's so cool. He's I, such. Frankly, a good dude. he's a better mom than Cora. Right yeah, he now. really is. I I've seen them together enough. I can I can. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's just he's so attentive, and they love him, and they sleep in the boxes together every day, mm -hmm. like every single day. I actually saw all three of them squeezed in one of the smaller boxes together, just squished in there, that's all cute amazing. together. So, yeah, very cool. All right, all right. So we have spent. 
almost 40 minutes on pandas and you, and I could keep going, believe me. However, I think we should talk about a couple of other animals that you take okay. care of, because I realize that there are people who aren't just obsessed with red pandas who listen to this podcast. Um, so tell me uh, about your sloth bears. Oh, okay. Um, They're so cool. We have two sloth bears, and um, I've worked with a few bear species. I've worked with grizzly bears, sun bears, and uh, black bears. And bears are great. I love bears. They're super smart. They're super cute. They do adorable things. They're lazy. They're amazing. Sloth bears are like bears only a thousand times better than any bear you've ever met in your life. <laughs> wow. Yes. Now, I've not worked with polar bears, and I've not worked with, like, Andean bears, so I can't speak to those bears. But I still think sloth bears are the best of all the bears. Um, when we first got Randir, he we had two sun bears, okay? And, I mean, in their defense, they were, like, in their 20s. So not, not like, overly energetic but I, even when they were young, I never saw them do things with a flamboyance and an exuberance that I saw Randir do things. <laughs> um, there's something about the way, and it might just be Randir also. He's a very popular bear. He came from, um, he was born at Woodland Park, and then he moved to um, Arkansas. And his keepers have come to visit him a couple times. So, like, he's very loved and very popular. He's just very special. He's a special bear. He, they do things where they look like men in bear suits. You know, have you, if you've never seen him just sitting outside in a corner, sitting up with his hands or his paws just down, just sitting like a human being. And they do that. They just sit in corners and they kind of just gaze off into space. And you would think that there's a person in there. Um, they do cute things with their lips. They... Um, they, the way they move and the way they run around and their floppy hair is just super cool. They, they have an energy that I've never seen other bears have before. You know, they fling themselves up onto things. Um, our sun bears never climbed the trees in that tree, in that yard. And both those bears climb those trees all the time. I intentionally climb the trees and have fallen out of them a couple times <laughs> to smear things up there for those bears. Cause nice. I know they'll get them. Right. Right. Um, even Heidi with her bum leg still climbs the tree like a champ and she sleeps up there and it's adorable. They're, they're awesome. Randir is one of the cutest animals in the entire world. Um, you didn't get to see him. You didn't get to see any. He plays the harmonica. Excuse me? He plays the harmonica. That's amazing. Yes. Okay. He um, he he knows some behaviors. He's in the middle of um, some blood draw training right now. He's super smart. Um, their intro together was priceless. I, I really can't describe to you the crazy things that Randir was doing with his body other than to show you a video when we're done. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair. Um. And no other bear has done this. Like, we were texting the keepers in Cleveland, and they were like, did your male bear do this when you put them together? And they were like, no. <laughs> no. Never seen that before. <laughs> it was it was just, he's amazing. He's just an amazing bear. We That's love him awesome. so much. Very yeah. cool. And um, they have a indoor viewing area as well as the, the outdoor viewing area. Yes. And um, I know one of the bears frequently sleeps right in front of that window. Which one is that or do they both do it? Yes, that's Randir. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. He's he's amazing. I've, I've seen him there yes. many a times. So. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and are they a um, SSP breeding rack? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. 
Cool. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll turn into some yes. some little randiers. Hoping for some little ones. Randier Junior. I like it. Um, and then, our, um, tell me about your tigers. Our tigers. I love the tigers. Um, we have four right now. We have Mara, who's kind of our old lady. And um, she originally was born at the Pittsburgh Zoo. She's had three litters since being with us. So a lot of her cubs are out there in the world at zoos everywhere. I know every single one of them and where they are. <laughs> that, that includes Dimitri and Wiz at uh, yes. uh, Philadelphia, which are, are my favorite tigers that yes. I, I hung out with. So, yeah, that, that made me really happy getting to, to meet her today. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, and um, we also have Jupiter and Natasha. And those are our um, – that's our breeding pair that we have. Jupiter actually came from the Czech Republic in – shoot, what year was it? He's been with us – about seven years, I think. So he came um, with in a long journey. Pretty sure there was a language barrier at first there for a little while because okay. he spoke Russian. Right. Yeah. But I was um, actually just thinking. I was I was going to make a joke. Is there a language barrier? But then I actually thought of the uh, the the like you know behaviors and stuff, and I was like, oh, is there? So I'm glad you brought that up. That was that was my next question. Yes. Um. Yeah. But I think he's over it now. I think he's over it now. I think he just hears my weird, uh, high-pitched, annoying voice. And he was like, oh, there. I don't need to know what she's saying. (laughs) Doesn't matter. It's not important anyway. Um, Tasha is our super beautiful tiger. She's from the Bronx Zoo. Um, Probably one of the most beautiful tigers I've ever seen. She's also really, really smart. So we're working on ultrasound training her right now. My coworker's husband made us an ultrasound box while he was furloughed. Oh, nice. That works. Um, during quarantine. So uh, we've been trying that out a little bit, and that's been going well. Good. And uh, what kind of tigers are they? Oh, they're Amur tigers. Okay, cool. AKA Siberian tigers. Right, right, right. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and then uh, are there any other animals that you want to talk about that you take care of? Um, I could talk about a lot of them. I love the bats. Tell me about your bats. Um, we have a colony of 10, actually 13. We have, <laughs> I always forget the little ones. We have, <laughs> we have little flying, flying, um, golden mantled flying foxes that are super, super cute. They're all old. Um, the little ones, they're, um, almost close to 30, but we have 10, Big Malaysian flying foxes that are really adorable. We have two younger ones. Um, you actually had a picture of one of them on your Instagram. That was Tina Fey. She's one of our younger ones, Tina Fey and Mystic. Uh, I think they're about five, five years old, maybe six, five or six years old. Um, so they're the young troublemakers in the group, and everybody else is in their 20s. So they're all like old and retired, and then you have the two young troublemakers, and they're super smart. Um, I love to. Um, shock people when they see me in there feeding them especially when you hear visitors reactions and they're like freaking out like terrified scared you know i like to get up on the ladder and i like to get right up face to face with one of them because they'll like sniff your eyes and they'll sniff your ears and your hair and i like to hand feed them and listen to the reactions of the people and (laughs) try to help people understand that they're not terrifying right you know yes Yes. And they have the biggest puppy dog faces. Yeah, they look like puppies. They they really do. You know, yeah. um, I, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, didn't one of your flying foxes have a wing issue recently and need to be coned just like a puppy too? Yes. Um, one of my all-time favorite animals in my department that I've ever worked with my whole life is Barb, Barb the bat. Um, she is the oldest bat in the colony and. 
She's probably the sweetest, most precocious, unshy bat ever. She's just adorable. You can't like pet her or hold her or snuggle her even if you want to, but she tolerates a lot from us. And um, actually, like one of my first few years on Asia Quest, she broke one of the bones in her wing, like in her arm bone. And I got to accompany her to OSU and they did her surgery at OSU amongst like 50 students watching because they were so fascinated because it was a bat. Um, But it was pretty cool. She now has a a metal plate in her arm and we nicknamed her Robo Barb. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, she has some wing sores probably due to allergies and she just licks them because they're irritating. So we did have to put a cone on her head for a little while there. And she did a pretty good job of, of ripping it off repeatedly. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Every single time. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So luckily she doesn't have to wear one anymore. We, um, we have her on a little regimen of meds to try to help keep her from licking too much. That's good. And plus we hand feed her all day long, which is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Awesome. So I'm going to open up the floor to you. Uh, If there are any organizations, conservation groups, um, individuals, anything that you would like to give a shout out to or think people should check out, uh, go ahead. Oh, geez, that's putting pressure. No, it's not because I, I can edit any weird okay, spaces. That's so, true. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I'd have to like think. I mean, I obviously I support Red Panda Network. Obviously, um, I mostly just wanted you to say that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but if there are any other ones that you're passionate and really about, really, just WCS. I WCS really, is yes. incredible. Yeah. Um, what is, for uh, for people that don't listen or who don't know? Sorry, who are listening? What is WCS? Um, it stands for the Wildlife Conservation Society, and um, they basically are just an organization that helps communities and animals in just a various array of countries kind of live together. They provide care and support and funds or whatever is needed just to help um, just animals everywhere. And and I, and they do, obviously they, they, they support Siberian tigers, but um, gorillas and other animals. And I would also like to, ask for support for, or at least um, Stock Hand Horses for Healing here in Columbus is an awesome organization. So, All right. Well, what was it? Stock Hand Horses? Stock Hand Horses oh. for Healing. Okay. They um, provide horseback riding lessons and therapy riding for um, children with special needs and adults with special needs, as well as um, veterans and first responders and um, other groups. Amazing. That's really, really cool. Very good. And then uh, the last question is, it is, of course, time for the Rossafari poop story. So what do you have for me? Um, well, um, several years ago, I was, this is a red panda story. Um, good, good. So red panda poop in the wintertime freezes like rock solid. So, <laughs> um, and if there's no snow on the ground, you You can't just leave it. Like, as a zookeeper, you just can't leave it there. So we use a hammer, and we use the the nail removal side, you know, the sharp end, and you you can really loosen the poop really good that way. Because otherwise, you can't pick it up. It's frozen to the ground. Um, And I was chopping at some poop, and a a piece of it flung up and hit me in the eye. Oh, no! Yeah. Frozen panda poop in the eye. 
Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't like severe. I didn't have to go to the emergency room or urgent care, but it was irritated for a couple of days. Amazing. Some people get pink eye, you get red panda eye. Yeah. I love it. And awesome. if you have non-zoo friends and they ask you, what happened to your eye? And you explain it to them, they're like, oh, <laughs> they don't know how to respond. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. You know, normally when I edit these podcasts, I cut out a lot of the silences that happen naturally in conversation just to help the flow of the episode a little bit better. However, in this case, I left in some of the silences during the Cora story, the Cory, anyway, because of how just emotional you could tell Christy was talking about this event that happened months ago and that had a perfectly fine conclusion. I just love how much keepers care for their animals, and it is amazing to hear that kind of story time and again on this podcast. If you want to follow Christy on Instagram, you can at C-N-U-S-S-121, and of course at Columbus Zoo is where you can find the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. Also, columbuszoo.org if you want to check out their website. And like I said, If you are listening to this on release day, you still have two full days to go and donate to the Red Panda Network fundraiser that I am hosting. Just go to at Rossafari on Instagram and follow the link in my bio, or go to Rossafari on Facebook and you'll find the link on multiple posts there. You can win a lot of really cool prizes there, but here's a free prize for everyone listening right now. It's time for the credits! Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.